welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is not Caleb Mason. It is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. And boy, do we have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with Pat Flynn. Are we? Yeah, but um, there's actually um, two Pat Flynn's. What? There's the smat. The, the, the smat. smat? I don't there's know what you're saying. There's the smart passive income Pat Flynn, um, who we are going to try to have on the show one day, but we're actually talking with a different Pat Flynn today. Uh-oh. This Pat Flynn has come out, actually today, his book comes out, it's called How to Be Better at Almost Everything. What does but, that mean? Well, let me tell you. It's about learning anything quickly, stacking your skills, and just learning to dominate. In fact, here's here's a little bit about him. Um, he is a generalist, which is What does that mean? Well generalist means that you're that you're pretty good at a lot of different things mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily specialized in one thing and we're going to talk with him about why it's so important that um, that we take on this generalist mindset but he is a writer and entrepreneur he's a musician and fitness musician? and meditation what else does this guy hand. do he runs multiple six and seven figure businesses around his various interests and skills Ooh. Which I know that we had a fascinating conversation with him and really broke down a lot of how, of just learning. Right. Like how do you become an expert learner in whatever you're talking about? I'm fascinated or whatever by you this. want to learn about. It's not like I wasn't part of this conversation or anything. Well, you actually were. I was, I know. <laughs> but it just fascinates me. However, before we get into that. <gasps> Is it time? We have our oh, I'm excited. recommended resource of the week. Y'all, here we go. C. Mason, what do you got? So if you've been listening to our podcast Which uh, you should all be. throughout this month, um, you've noticed that there has kind of been a theme for the recommended resource of the week. And that and is? I am just going to keep on theme. Trucking through. And I'm going to recommend um, a podcast episode from our guy, Tim Ferriss. We do have the Tim Ferriss theme going this month. We definitely do. Shout and, out to Tim. And I'm going to recommend, um, as I've said before, I'm a little bit behind in some of his episodes. Yes. Um, but I'm going to recommend an episode that I listened to recently to where he does an interview with Coach George Ravling. Uh. Which I know, Todd, is definitely one of your, it's probably one of your top episodes for it, isn't it? The Tim Ferriss Show. Um, there are some others that are just epic. Um, I think, yeah, but you're right. This is a good one. He has, he gets into the, the details. He has a very unique reading, um, process for reading and consuming a lot of content. And, uh, I'm not going to spoil it here. Just go listen to those episodes. Right. Go listen. Very much worth the listen. I, I love it. And by the way, also just go read his books. We've been talking about that. Go read his books. Tim Ferriss? Yeah, Tim Ferriss. Go read his books. Yep. Go read his books, which we actually recommended one of them earlier this month. That's right. As well. Now, as we mentioned, today's episode is with Pat Flynn, our generalist, and we're going to break and down. And we have some stuff, though, going on that's going to happen at the end of the month, Caleb. Oh, What's that's that? that's correct. I almost forgot about that. Thank you for reminding no, me. No, that's okay. I got you. It's what I do. We are um, going to actually 
uh, try something new. And you know, for, for the past couple of years, we've done an end of the year. Here's what we've learned. Right. Podcast. But we got a great response this yes. past time when we did it. We've got a ton of great responses of just digging into some of the books that we've read in the movies that we've learned from. It seems that you guys are nerds, too. Life lessons. And so um, we're going to do an episode um, at the end of each month, just recapping mm-hmm. some of the things that we've learned and some of the things that we've learned from. Which is going to be a lot of fun. And so that will be coming out this Thursday. And so the mm-hmm. best way to make sure that you don't miss that episode is by subscribing to our podcast and whatever podcast player you use. Also, while you're at it, just leave a rating and write a review of the podcast as well. It literally can take less than two minutes as well. And it honestly it helps us spread the word about our podcast. It helps us so help you. And it helps us expand these conversations. Which is a lot of fun. But today, we have this conversation with Pat Flynn. You were talking about it. Yes. So, here's our conversation about what it means to be a generalist and breaking down what that means and how you can become more like a generalist and learn from anything and everything. Well, Pat, welcome to the Learner's Corner. We are so excited to have you on today. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You know, you've come out with this book, you know, at least at the, uh, the book hasn't come out yet, but by the time that this podcast uh, is out, your book will be out and you've authored this book called How Do We Better at Almost Everything? And it's really about this idea of becoming a generalist. And so just as we're getting started, um, what, what made, well, first explain this idea of what you mean by being a generalist and then what, how did you first come become introduced to this topic? Yeah. Um. Very, very good question. Thank you. And um, the, the, the whole idea, the thesis is, is pretty simple. My argument is that in, in today's economy and also for human beings in general, I think you're better off getting good to great or at least fairly competent at a lot of different things and then learning to combine your skills to form competitive and creative advantages in life rather than trying to be the best in the world at any one thing, rather than trying to just hardcore specialize. So I think even more simply, we could say that it's easier to be different than it is to be better. Might even be better to be different than it is to be better. And how did I discover this? That's that's a good question. You Like most, most of, 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 any of any of the successes this. I've had, I think it was revealed to me through a series of mistakes and, and reflecting upon all the things that I was doing wrong and what I could learn from them. So I have a lot of different backgrounds. One of my backgrounds is in music as a musician. And uh, and, and growing up, I was very inspired by some of the most uh, technical and virtuosic guitarists, people like Paul Gilbert or Yngwie Malmsteen or Steve Vai. If, if, if we have any musicians listening, they'll pro- probably recognize some of those names. So I, I had it in my head pretty young that I just wanted to be the best guitarist in the world, whatever that meant, you know, being able to play faster and in a more pyrotechnic way than, than almost, than almost anybody. Well, fast forward many years and, you know, I, I get quite good at the guitar. Um, and I start, I start gigging around I start entering into battle of the bands and competitions and things like that. And what would happen, Caleb is, you know, I'd get on stage and I'd, I'd noodle and you know, I'd, I'd put on, you know, some flair. Um, and it, it gets some attention and some oohs and ahs. But then the people who would win the competitions, the people who had the biggest crowds, weren't the best guitarists per se. But it was it was the musician who was decent at guitar, you know, wasn't a bad guitarist, but was also pretty good at singing, knew how, had great stage presence, was an awesome 
sh- uh, show person, uh, so on and so forth. And it was this sort of combination of skills that allowed them uh, to be far more successful and have far more ultimately of, of what I wanted as a musician, which was recognition and attention. Um, even though I knew, I'm like, I'm, I'm a way better guitarist than this person. So why are, why are they getting all the attention? That was one of the, the first times in my life, when I when I started to question if putting you know seven to eight hours a day into practicing something to be the best in the world with it was was necessary or or even all that important, um, it, it didn't you know it didn't turn me into a generalist at at that time. It was one of the first times I started to think about it in a different le- way. Fast forward then many years, you know, into my sort of uh, business career as, as as a writer, and I do a lot of work in 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 the fitness space also. Um, as a writer, somebody flat out asked me, they, they, they're saying, Pat, you know, you've, you've done very well in this industry, especially in fitness, but you're not the biggest, you're not the strongest, you're not the fastest, you're not the leanest. Uh, now to give myself some credit, I'm, I'm per, you know, I'm like, I'm strong, I'm lean, but I've never won any bodybuilding competitions or, or, uh, I've never been in the Olympics for gymnastics mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so, so he asked me, you know, like, why is it that you, you've done well when you're not really the best at anything? And the short answer is there is, is because I'm not the best at anything, but I'm good to great, or at least fairly competent at a lot of different things. So it's been my ability to be, be good at fitness, to be very well-rounded, uh, at, at many different physical things, um, also, my my background as a writer, so that way I could write about fitness in a way that was entertaining and relatable and useful to people. And even just that simple skill stack of, of writing on the one hand or, or communication ability with what I knew and was learning about fitness allowed me to gain a, a, a fairly significant, significant competitive advantage over all the countless people who were bigger, stronger, faster, or leaner than me. So it was first... Uh, introduced to me or something I discovered kind of as a musician that evolved over time and then became a critical component of how I went about running my business is the the, the condensed version of the story. Why do you, Why think, do you it's think it's important, important for us to us focus to... on being the generalist versus the specialist? Um, well, interesting side note, uh, Dan John, who is uh, a very well-known uh, strength coach, has, has worked with athletes his entire life. He wrote the, the the blurb for the inside of the book, and he, and he will argue the exact same thing, even for athletes, is mm-hmm. that if you want to be a better athlete, you need to be a multi-sport, multi-sport athlete. athlete. You can't, you can't just specialize, specialize in just one. one. Now, that's, now that's, a, a, that's, a, that's a kind of a kind side, of a side note. note. We'll, put that, we'll put that off to the side for now when it comes to sports um, in particular. But for, for humans in general, you know, let's let's think about what it would it take to be the best in the world. And, and part of the problem, especially um, what I realized as, as a musician, is I, w- I had the work ethic, right? Like I was sitting down, I'm playing guitar for pretty much every waking hour, and I'm going into my guitar instructor and I'm asking him, like, why can't I play as fast as this guy? Or why can't I play as smooth as this guy? And some of the answers he gave me, very honest, were like, well, well look at your fingers, man, like – they're they're okay for playing guitar, but they're not as as perfect for playing the guitar as this guy or this other guy. You're just at a pure genetic mechanical disadvantage. So if you're going into into the into any field thinking you're going to be the best in it, there's so many things that that contribute to that that are going to be beyond your control. Uh, most things that contribute to that are going to be beyond your control. Now that does not at all diminish 
uh, free will or personal responsibility or any of that. It's just it's just being realistic that, you know, some people have better genetics. They also had parents that got them interested in or invested in training at a very young age. You know, I didn't start uh, developing skills to a much later age. So there's just that that right. Um, so there's, there's, you know, the chances of becoming the best in the world at any one thing are so microscopically slim to begin with that my whole message has been, let's just, can we just avoid that? Can we just avoid that? And can we find success, happiness, fulfillment, flourishing, whatever we want without even having to worry about that at all? And, and, you know, the message of the book is a resounding yes, 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 we can find success and fulfillment without having to worry about being the best in the world. And that's where being a generalist comes in, where you can get Good at many things, you can stack those skills, and this will allow you to bring something unique into the world. It will allow you to be different in a way that you don't have to be the best to get attention or customers or recognition or to provide value to people. You just have to be different. So that's that's the main point I'm trying to to get across with why. why? Uh, it's, also, uh, it's also, I would argue, it's a lot more fun. fun. <laughs> so Joe Rogan, who is um, noted commentator in the in the UFC, he's a martial arts expert, he talks about all the time how if you want to win fights in martial arts, be, be a well-rounded generalist as a martial artist. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you want to get the big deals, if you want to be the cool guy, be a specialist. <clears throat> how, how do you package yourself as a specialist to be able to get maximum impact when it comes to going out and marketing yourself because I think a lot of people are saying, well, I want an expert who does this or I want somebody who does this. And, and you're, you're saying the opposite. I want to be good at a bunch of different things. How do you market yourself that way? Yeah, yeah. well, it depends where I'm marketing myself first off. So, you know, I do, I do a lot of work in a lot of different fields. So for fitness, for example, what I've found is that by promoting this idea of generalism, specifically as it applies to fitness, there is a very unique appeal there because what we learn about people who specialize in, in some type of fitness, for example, is it often comes with a cost that most people do not want to assume, and that cost is typically injury. Think of somebody who wants to be a world-class powerlifter or gymnast or what have you, or bodybuilder. Uh, what specialization does in fitness is it usually puts fitness and health at odds, and we have to get clear on some definitions here. Fitness is the ability to complete a task, whereas health is something like the ideal interplay of the organs and bodily systems. Often people equate these things, uh, but but they are not the same thing. We can easily think of examples where somebody is incredibly fit, but also incredibly unhealthy and even became very unhealthy to become incredibly fit. And that is the snare of specialization. So I, what I do is in, in, in the fitness space, and I'll talk about the marketing space in a minute, is I say, look, what generalism does is it allows us to do all these cool things and to achieve all of these cool things. We can still get really lean. We can still get really strong. We can still get really mobile and flexible. We're not going to be the best in the world, but we like we can still be masters of all these things, and we can get healthier in the process. We no longer have to put fitness and health at odds. Rather, they become mutually harmonizing. From a marketing perspective, that was extremely attractive to most people because most people – who are looking to get in shape, they want to do so to improve their health. They don't want to be world-class powerlifters. They don't want to be uh, gymnasts uh, or professional bodybuilders. Now, there are some people who do, who do that. And from a marketing perspective, for any business owner here, like your message should always be magnetic. It should be extremely attractive to some and extremely repulsive to others. So I, I want to be repulsive 
to the professional powerlifter and bodybuilder because because one that's that's not what I do that's not what I teach so I want to attract those who are going to resonate with my message which is a lot of people and you know I, I don't need to be rude to specialists and just say like hey like this isn't this isn't what I do this isn't what I teach so you should go uh, study with that coach or read this guy's stuff so there's there's one way to think about it uh, in fitness and that's how it works from from sort of a marketing perspective as well. Did that make sense? And did that answer, that answer the question? The question. <laughs> no, it it totally it totally did. I yeah. I, I just I'm always thinking of you know. It seems like everybody's so fascinated by by the guy who wakes up in the morning and does the same thing for eight hours every day trying to practice. But whenever you get down to it, whenever it comes to winning or whenever it comes to succeeding, it oftentimes seems like it's not that person who does it. It's the person who exactly what you're saying is well-rounded and able to do many different things. And regardless of what career or what business or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, it just, and it always fascinates me because it seems like you wouldn't want somebody who's good at everything. You'd want the specialist, but it's always the, spe- it's always the person who's more well-rounded who, who wins, it seems like. I'm well, just that, that, yes, yes, yeah, yeah no, this, this, is, this is very, very true. true. It's, it's the, 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 the specialists who typically tip- work for the generalists, right? It's a generalist who who are the CEOs, who are the entrepreneurs. They can they can do a lot of things. They can do a lot of things well, or at least a lot of things fairly competent, and that allows them to delegate and efficiently manage and hire. So I'm not as great at some of the stuff that my employees are, but I know enough about it to tell whether or not they're doing a good job, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the points that I absolutely love in the book. I, I forget what the exact percentage is, but I think you say, you know, once you become, you know, between 70 and 80%, then you should stop working on that skill because you're already, you know, and obviously you, you keep maintaining and keep sharp on it, but because you've already passed most of the people who are going to reach path, like reach that level. Yeah, part of that idea that we call it the rule of 80% is trying to be very clear on what your problem isn't. We all spend so much time um, because it feels good. Like when we're good at something, we want to keep doing that something. We want to keep, you know, uh, practicing that lift, playing that guitar passage. But if the goal is to become a better musician, it doesn't matter like how great I am at at sweet picking. If sweet picking is the only thing I'm good at, I'm going to be a pretty bad musician. And the fact that I could even sweet pick, which is a, a pretty technical thing to do on a musical instrument, right? Is first off, it's it's only really appealing to to people who are specialists and, and virtuosic guitarists to begin with. Uh, but this was this was sort of my example, right? I I was easily past that eighty percent threshold on being good at the guitar. If we say one hundred percent is best in the world, the metric I use is eighty percent is like as high as you should go at any one particular skill or technique. Because once you get there, chances are that thing isn't your problem anymore. Sweet picking wasn't my problem. It, like I was good enough at that. The reason I wasn't getting more people to listen to my music wasn't because I needed to be a better, faster sweet picker. It was because I needed to learn other skills on the instrument. I needed to improve my rhythm. I needed to improve my songwriting, my composition. I needed to improve my stage presence, performance, all these other things. And then go outside of the instrument. I needed to improve 
um, my, my marketing, my networking skills, so on and so forth. But if I just kept focusing on that one little skill, I would, I would have fallen into that snare of specialization and, and never done anything successful with music. Well, same thing with, with fitness, right? It's like, I might have, uh, an incredible bench press, you know, what's, what's 80% of the world's strongest bench press. It's an enormous number, way more than any person needs to be considered strong in an upper body sense. To the extent that if you're if you're approaching that and you're wondering why you're not healthy, why you're not lean, uh, why you don't feel good, look, friend, the bench press is no longer your problem. You need to focus on something else. Mm-hmm. What would you say um, before we get into like the practical, you know, skills to being a generalist? What would you say you've seen to be the benefits that have come from this this lifestyle of generalization? Yeah, one is definitely mindset, right? So when you're a specialist and you're trying to be the best in the world, you often sort of plant your self-worth in how good you are or or how deficient you are compared to other people. That's um that's a losing mindset. It's a very depressing mindset where, you know, it's if you don't have the body fat percentage of this guy or you don't have the deadlift of that guy or if you're not making as much money as this person or you're not doing as many speaking gigs as that person, Man, you're never going to be satisfied with life ever. You're just not. Like that's that's not where happiness is found to begin with. But it does seem it might even if it's not caused by, it's certainly correlated to people who try to be the best in the world at something. There's a sort of general unhappiness. And I know because because I've I've been there, right? I thought happiness would be being the best at many different things at some point. Um, and even when you start to achieve those things and get closer and closer, it, it doesn't tend to make you happier. Now that's a much deeper philosophical conversation, but it, it, it's relevant at least to this extent. Being a generalist, however, removes that entirely because you're no longer worried about being better than anyone else at any one particular thing. So you can totally switch and start to admire people and learn from people who are great, uh, far superior than you are at any one specific thing. And you can uh, borrow ideas from them and techniques and strategies without getting caught up in having to feel like you need to be as good as that person. So it's very freeing psychologically, I would say. The other benefits, you know, are, are simply this. You know, as a human, Aristotle said that we should know and make and do good things. And that's what being a generalist is all about. There's so many good things in this. I mean, the world is is a good place. The fact that anything exists is good. Uh, and there's so much richness to explore so many ways that we can develop ourselves, improve ourselves, so many skills that we can learn and derive enjoyment from to, you know, to arbitrarily uh, limit yourself, I think is, is, is a severe disservice to, to so many of the good things in life. So being a generalist allows you to sort of enjoy the buffet of life. And, you know, I put these a little bit higher, but what should also be mentioned is, is of course, the, the entrepreneurial advantages as well, is that it's just easier to get ahead when you're different than trying to be better. But I, I don't want to put that one at the very top because I think that starts to fall back into the snare of specialization where you think like getting ahead or having more money or whatever is the secret to happiness. That's not true. But it is, at least in my experience in many of the case studies that I've examined in my book and pretty much all the business owners I know, the secret to their success was not being the best at any one thing in the world. They're just good at a lot of different things and can tie all those together. Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks about how, uh, along with what you're, what you're saying, which listeners, I talk about Gary Vaynerchuk all the time, so they know, what I, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> he talks a lot about how it's not necessarily the one thing that we're looking for, but how it's the process 
that really is where happiness in life is found. My question for you is, is there a point where we become too broad? Can you become too broad in what you're doing? Or is it just good to know about all sorts of different things? Uh, well, yeah, 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 there yeah, certainly, certainly is. is. And now and part of that, that is just a, you know, one of those questions is a very deep metaphysical, possibly theological question, right? We can circle back to that if we want to. The other one is a purely strategic question. Uh, you can go too broad in the sense that by trying to do or learn too many things at once, you, you effectively learn nothing at all. You're just ineffective. And that's where the one principle in my book is that a good generalist is really just a short-term specialist. You don't get good at a lot of things. You don't enjoy a lot of things by trying to do all of them at once. That, that would be impossible. And to the extent you keep piling things on, they can conflict with one another. They can dilute one another. It's, it's not a good strategy. The, the better strategy is to just focus in on like one or two things at a time, uh, drive that to the ground into, into pulp, you know, master that skill or, or gain a certain degree of proficiency or whatever you need while maintaining everything else. So if you, if you look at a generalist um, and you took a snapshot at any one point in time, you would probably think that they are a specialist. It should look like they're specializing. But then when you, when you zoom out, that's when you see the greater picture and you can see that they're building the foundations of generalism, one pillar or one structure at a time. So so that would be the strategic approach. I don't think that people should go out and try and do everything at once. I think that that will be a disaster in most cases. I think you re need to focus in and you need to use specialization as a tool. That's the, really the best way to see it. Specialization should be a tool. It should not be a lifelong pursuit. Do you have uh, – so, so the next – so I guess that leads to the next thought, which is – Okay, do you have a system for identifying then, okay, I, or, or a way of planning out, okay, I need to learn this, this, and this. I need to figure out, all right, this is going to take nine months to really become proficient at. Do you have systems for how you do that or how you have, or how you have done that um, personally or just in how you've talked to other people about doing that? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean the best thing you can do in an instance like this is, is modeling. Or, or imitating, where you, you have a goal, you see somebody that th they've achieved something that you want to achieve, you want to be able to do that or something like that. Well, then what you need to do is you need to figure out, well, what skills were most critical or essential to that person's success? Now, you might be able to figure that out by just examining that person or reading a biography or, or watching their YouTube videos. That's possible. I think that I've been able to do that for a number of, of skills. Um, or you might have to hire a coach. And, and this is something that people should absolutely consider or, and get over the fear of doing. You know, coaches are shortcuts. They're people who are there to, to give you a process, some type of you know, like the word system. A system to me is just something that um, gives us predictable and repeatable results. That's what a system is. Um, it's hard to develop a system from scratch, but chances are there's people out there who already have these systems. So you need to go and you need to try and learn what those systems are. And that's where coaching and, and mentorships come in. So you start by modeling. You, you get a clear picture of the goal. You look at people who've been successful at achieving this goal before. You try and figure out, well, what skills, because everything boils down to skills, are essential to the success of this goal. And then what does the process got, what does it look like? What is the system for developing those skills in particular? Some of those you might be able to figure out by yourself, just by reading and, and inquiry and 
uh, like I said, biographies were always very helpful for me when um, looking at certain the lives of certain people to figure out how they did the sorts of things that that they did and all. And this is where I discovered how many how many people that I that you first think are specialists or really generalists, and then just hiring coaches. I mean, all, all the skills that have been um, critical or essential to me are skills that I have learned and continue to learn under the direct mentorship of other people. So you've already talked about one of the, the skills and the principles that you write about um, in your book about the rule of 80%. Um, what might be one or two other principles in the book? And we don't want to necessarily give it, give it all away, but what might be um, one or two principles of generalism that people can take action on today? Well, the most basic one is is the lesson from the weight room, which is repetition and resistance. It just, you know, growing up and accepting the fact that you get what you practice, but you also get what you don't practice. And this is this is key, right? So so most people understand, okay, yeah, if I if I do this thing, then I'll get better at it. Or they think they understand it, but they don't they don't really understand it. And this is this is, you know, part of the the problem of of information overload. People mistake reading books reading articles, reading posts with actually practicing a skill, getting the reps in. Uh, so repetition and resistance is just are those classic principles of the weight room. If you want to get good at the bench press, you have to get under the bar. You have to do the bench press specifically, and you have to increase intensity as you go. So even if people get the repetition part, they don't always get the resistance part. If you want to get better, you have to increase the demands. You have to create new challenges for yourself. You have to introduce novel stimuli, whether that's in, in music or writing or, or anything. Uh, the prince, that principle is universal, repetition and resistance. B beyond that, you also get what you don't practice, right? If you, if you don't use the muscles, they will atrophy. They, they will become weaker. And that's that's another alarming thing. So, you know, it's not that if you're not practicing exercise, you're just – uh, remaining in neutral. No, you're, you're often sliding backwards in terms of strength, fitness, and health. So you, you have to keep that in mind as well. So thinking about specificity and practice, enormously important, and introducing elements of resistance. How do I increase uh, challenges along the way? And this is key, so that I am challenged but successful. Take the weight room example again. I'm not going to really get stronger at the bench press if I put so much weight on the bar that it just it just crushes my my sternum. I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get injured. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go way backwards. Rather, I need to kind of be brushing up against those guardrails of failure, like kind of there, but not going too far that I'm that I'm flying off the road. And that's that's a difficult balance to maintain. But that is where improvement is made when you're when you're applying a a manageable but significant amount of stress and stimulus to the body. That's repetition and resistance. And we can understand that, I think, in the most concrete sense with, with exercise, but it applies to everything. Writing, copywriting, sales, music, skateboarding, um, nunchucks. Yeah, I mean, whatever skill you want, we can apply repetition and, and resistance. And then... Yeah, so so we could talk about that, but then the the other one that often surprises people is is the idea of integration over isolation, and what this principle is trying to get at is whatever our goal is, we should we should try to put that skill that we're working on into the context of the outcome as quickly as possible. We want to integrate the skill as quickly as possible because a trap that people will fall into once they start getting into, into self-improvement and skill development is they'll begin to isolate certain techniques or start learning a series of techniques without any coherence or trajectory to them. 
I'll go back to the guitar to, to kind of drive the point, right? As a young musician, I was so interested in all these sort of flamboyant pyrotechnic techniques. I wanted to be able to sweep pick, wanted to be great at legato, all this or that. But I had no idea how to put these together into actually playing a song that people wanted to hear, right? So the better idea is start with the, with the outcome in mind. And then this will help you to learn or focus on what specific techniques you actually need to spend time on to achieve that outcome. If I want to play an ACDC song, Back in Black, I don't even need to learn sweet picking, but I need to learn some, you know, how to play on the end of one. I need to, to learn some basic rhythm techniques. I need to learn about three or four different chords and so on or so forth. And then what I want to do is I'll isolate those techniques to the extent that I need to polish them up to gain mastery, but then I want to integrate them with each other and in the context of the song as quickly as possible so that way I can get to the goal as quickly as possible. So those are two of the other principles that I try to to bring up um, or to illuminate throughout the book uh, when it comes to developing skill. So I want to go back to, to the reps and the repetition part. And you know, you were talking about how your your skills can diminish over time if you're not constantly using them and sharpening them and putting them into practice. And so do you have a system or a schedule or something that allows you or enables you um, to keep those certain skills sharp? Yeah, well, one of it, too, is just expectations and mindset. And there's going to be some times in life where some skills are not going to be able to be perfectly maintained. You're going to have to take a hit or sacrifice some areas to move forward in other areas. This is this is critical. You know, people need to because and this uh, we'll go back to fitness, right? So many people don't reach their fitness goals because they are too worried about letting some other goals slide just a little bit. For example, somebody will put on a good good amount of muscle but then they'll be um, unsatisfied with the amount of body fat they have. So we'll start to to lean out a little bit, but then they'll get worried because they'll start to lose a little bit of muscle. They go, hold on, hold on. I don't want to lose this muscle, but then they'll go in circles and they'll never actually achieve anything. They'll just stay at that, that, that spot. Now the, the smart thing to do, the better thing to do is say, okay, I want to lean out. I'm going to maintain as much muscle as I can, but I'm going to be okay with losing a little bit of muscle now knowing that once I get to a certain level of leanness, I can always regain that muscle later. Now, if somebody does that, then they're going to be successful. They'll say, I'll tell you, I'll take a hit on the muscle side or the strength side just to get my body fat down. And then once my body fat's down, I can, I can maintain that easier while I start to regain strength of muscle. And now I'm totally recomposed. Now, now I've actually moved forward. But in order to move forward, I, I had to take a slight hit at first. It was sort of a, a one step back for three steps forward type of move. That's the mindset people need to have in life. And the truth is, is it applies to everything. I want to launch and start a business. Well, then I might have to take a hit for on how many hours you know I'm going into the gym uh, for the next couple of months. I might just have to accept that my fitness isn't going to be as good as it was now or is now if I want to get a business running. Now that said, I still want to make some time to go into the gym to lift weights to train practice martial arts or whatever, but it's, it's more in a maintenance mode. And I, I'm okay if I'm not making huge progress in that. I'm okay if it slips off somewhat because that's what I need to do to really surge ahead in whatever this other thing is. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's launching a business, um, which is exactly what, you know, happened in my life and continues to happen in my life. So I am okay 
with certain skills taking a, a, a temporary setback or sliding back temporarily to move ahead in other areas. And then what does that look like specifically depends on what I'm, I'm working on because some skills are, are obviously more compatible with others. But that's a, the general theme that people should have in their head. If you really want to get ahead in life, of course you want to maintain to the best of your ability the stuff you've already um, developed. Um, but the other thing to remember is that sometimes sacrifices and compromises need to be made almost always to get ahead in something else. And that it's always easier to regain something than it is to gain it in the first place. Think about riding a bike. Think of any skill. It's, it's always far more difficult to get strong or get lean or learn to ride a bike or learn to play the guitar that it is in the first place than it is that even if you take some time off, I mean, most of us can go for years without riding a bike and quickly regain that skill. Same thing with most other skills. So understanding that, okay, if things slide back a little bit, it's always easier to regain that and surge ahead again in that area later on than it was to develop it the first time. Mm -hmm. How do you learn something fast? Because, you know, as, as considering myself a generalist, I'm always trying to look for the way that I can learn the most and learn it the fastest. Have you found any techniques or tools that help you with that? Yeah, well, I go back to the you know integration over isolation, uh, but there's kind of three eyes here that a lot of this is again goes back to kind of a mu musician thing, um, and those three eyes are uh, isolate, uh, integrate, and improvise. So improvise is is the third eye in, in there. And uh, so to give you an example, um, I, I'm sitting down with the guitar and and I want to learn a new passage and I want to get this this down pretty quick because imp improvisation is like the highest form of every skill. That's when you have such a command of a skill that you can be totally spontaneous and creative with it in the moment. Like once you can once you can improvise and improvise well, that to me is a sign of mastery. So how quickly can we get to that improvisation phase? And do we need to wait to start practicing it? The answer is no. Actually, practicing improv improvisation early on is one of the best ways uh, to to improve something quickly. Again, whether it's uh, music, writing, movement, you name it. But you don't want to forget the integration or the isolation components either. So maybe I have an hour to practice the guitar. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna divvy that up into three blocks. You know, 20 minutes of 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 isolation, 20 minutes of integration, uh, 20 minutes of improvisation. So what what would that look like? Um, let's take a lick from a, a song, Back in Black. Let's take like the first uh, the first like passage. Uh, in, in, in uh, the first lead passage, uh, people can go and listen to Back in Black if they want. I'm sure you've everybody's heard Back in Black, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a it's ACDC, guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to spend 20 minutes. I'm going to put the metronome on, and I'm just going to play that passage over and over at a very slow speed until it starts to feel effortless. And maybe that'll happen in one session. Maybe it'll take multiple sessions. It's going to depend on the passage, right? But then uh, for the next 20 minutes, I will then try and put that passage into the song, meaning I'll play the song beforehand, I'll try and go into the passage, maybe I'll try and go on to a next passage, and I'll play it with the rhythm of the song and hopefully at the tempo of the song. Maybe that will work well the first try, or maybe I'll need some more isolation, it depends, but I'm going to try and integrate it as quickly as possible. And then the last 20 minutes is I'll just lay down some backing tracks and I'll try and jam around, but as I'm jamming around, I will try to use that lick in a spontaneous and organic way. And that, to me, I believe is the best way to try and learn something quickly is, is you, 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 tr you, you integrate it, you break it out, you pull it out of context, you have the overall view of, of integration in mind of, okay, where is this leading me eventually? But you do need to isolate things to gain proficiency in them 
at, at least at first. You know, I, I just don't know this passage on the guitar. I can't play it up to speed yet, so I need to like slow the tempo way down and just work on one note at a time. Eventually I gain proficiency, then I can integrate it, but the goal is to integrate it as quickly as possible. And then can I improvise with it in various contexts, in different keys, so on and so forth. So you take that principle, and I always try to give specific examples because in the abstract it's kind of weird. Yeah. But, then, but then you can do the same thing with, with exercise, with writing, so on and so forth. So that is the way that, that I approach it. It's always been very effective for me, and, and hopefully that will be something useful that anybody listening can, can start to use also. So for, for improvising, um, have you found that it's just simply becoming good at the basic the basics that allows you to become better at improvising? Or has there been anything else that helps you become someone who can better improvise? Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, for any skill, there's going to be those vital few efforts, those vital few techniques that are going to provide you know, pretty much everything you need uh, to master a skill. Sure, there's going to be a few instances where you're, you're going to want to um, so the question is like, what is mastery? And to me, mastery is exactly what you just said. It's it's moving deeper into the basics, not necessarily moving farther away from them. Um, and even with certain techniques that may seem like they are farther away from the basics, those techniques become available because you have such a co solid command of the basics. And I can certainly expand on that if we need be, but uh, that's, 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 that's the, the way that it's always been, and it's been pretty universal across, across you know, all, all the different, different skills that I've been interested, interested in. in. Basics, Basics fun fun the fundamentals of fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals for a reason, reason right? right? Sure, no, definitely. Um, so what, all right, we've been hearing a lot about the how of, of how to do this. So let's get practical. What, which I know we have, we've been talking about practical too, I get it. <laughs> but, but what's the first step if a person says, hey, I'm ready to start doing this. Like I, I, I didn't realize this was a thing. What would be the first step to becoming more of a generalist, in your opinion? Well, yeah, well, yeah, the first, well, first step, step is to have a goal. goal. You know, you, know, like, like, you got to you know, know, know your point B. B. You, you got to know what you want to get out of it. it. Now, my, my book, book, as you guys have probably noticed, is, is, is it is leaning towards entrepreneurs. Now, it's not exclusive for entrepreneurs. You know, this is something. This is this is a way to to live and to practice and to improve. Regardless, Regardless if you want to be, be a business, business owner, owner or not, not but, I but I wanted to have, have a point, point of focus, focus for the book, book which, was, which was which was entrepreneur. So it's so hard to say how to get started because we need the context of get started with with what? What do you what do you want to do? So if we if we take the example of running a business, and I've had both in-house businesses, brick and mortar. I still have brick and mortar businesses, and I have online, but I focus so much online these days. There's tons of opportunity, so. Um, you know, I wanted to talk to people a lot about what are, you know, what are the essential skills for a business owner? How do you get started with this? And this was another point where, you know, being a generalist was in incredibly useful for me, but also caused me to realize that some skills are more fundamental, are more essential, are more necessary than other skills. And again, this comes back to the modeling thing, right? Looking at other people, trying to discern, okay, why have they been successful? What are the skills that are the foundations for their success. And as I, you know, modeled these people and hired coaches and mentors, um, you know, what, what I learned was that I, I actually didn't need a whole bunch of skill in web design, but I did need a whole lot of skill in writing and copywriting and sales and persuasion, for example. So I had to kind of reorient or reprioritize my skills for that. Now, is copywriting a necessary skill for somebody who, who wants to, uh, 
you know, advance in other areas? Maybe, maybe not. I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty awesome skill to have because a lot of it is rooted in the elements of persuasion and effective communication. But I would argue it's absolutely indispensable for a business owner. Uh, you know, a, you know, stack and then stack that on a couple of, of other skills. You know, what is your sort of primary skill? That's that's the other question I ask in the book. Like, what is it that you're really passionate about? So passionate about that you really want to bring it forward into the world and, and help other people achieve. So for me, in one context, uh, well, I have a lot of those, but one of them is certainly fitness, uh, where I can take my, my knowledge base or skill base there. I can stack the other skills of writing and copywriting on top of that to achieve uh, another outcome that I wanted, which was starting my own business and, and bringing value to people who, who are out there and, and interested in the types of things that, that I'm talking about. Also developing skills in, in advertising, networking, just building relationships with people uh, is, of course, a skill and, and a critically essential one. So that's a tough question to answer, but that's how I would get started answering it is that, you know, you always need to know your point B first and then you got to kind of reverse engineer and work your way back from there. So the one thing I want to ask you about is we've, we've talked a lot about um, learning things yourself. And I want to know, do you have any, any things or any systems or tools that helps you maximize your learning from other people, whether that be you're reading a book or maybe you're listening um, to a podcast or a TED Talk or you're at a conference? Is there anything that has helped you um, maximize your learning as yeah, it concerns well, any of those? Yeah, yeah, all of the above. And I, I'm, I'm somebody who enjoys learning it through many different methods. I, I enjoy hands-on. I enjoy personal coaching. I enjoy books. And I feel all of those work pretty well for me, even even podcasts. So so the answer is is all of the above. And I would recommend that to people as well. You need to read. You absolutely need to read. Um, and a resource I would recommend to anybody here is a sort of a starting resource. I think it's a great guide uh, to becoming a generalist aside from, from the book that I wrote is the book, uh, how to read a book by Mortimer J. Adler. In fact, just get every book from Mortimer J. Adler. One of the greatest minds, um, you know, of, of the, of the last century. And, um, you know, what that book will teach you is the skill of how to learn. It will teach you of how to go from a state of understanding less to understanding more and how to grapple with difficult, difficult, challenging challenging material. material. Uh, The the problem problem is so many people will engage engage with material material or only read material material that is already already on their level. That's not how you improve. That's how you stay the same. You need to be engaging with material, books, podcasts, whatever, that is above you. You need to be punching up. You need to try and reach up and pull yourself up to a higher precipice. And I would say the starting recommendation I would have for that, if I I recommend any one book on this podcast, Aside, of course, from the shameless yeah, promotion yeah. of my own, would be would be How to Read a Book by Mortimer J. Adler. That was a book that I read uh, in, in early high school, and it just changed my life and direction on re- learning. Not only reinvigorated my, my uh, love, love for learning, learning but gave me a, 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 a system, system of process, process a way of understanding how how, how, to, how to how to better, better do that. Do that. Um, um, the, the other, other now, now the opposite of that is that information does not necessarily mean improvement. And information doesn't mean knowledge either. You know, so you can acquire information and not in, increase in knowledge or understanding. So you have to be clear on the difference there. And, and one of the big problems that we see in society today is people are overloaded, overwhelmed with information, that they become paralyzed by it. They actually don't make any progress. So in some subjects, you know, more reading, more consumption, 
um, can be helpful. Philosophy, for example, that's that's really uh, always something you want to try and get more of. But in other subjects and in, in other skills, sometimes less is more helpful because uh, I mean, fitness, for example, is you do not need um, you know an advanced degree in exercise science to get strong. Uh, chances are most people know the general principles you need to get stronger and lose weight, and eat healthier. You, you, most people probably have all the information they already need to do that. They just don't know how to get themselves to do it or how to implement it. So, so in that sense, kind of taking an opposite approach of what is the least amount of information I need to get to work and then blocking any new information until you actually do get to work. And then when you get to work, and you come to a spot where you're stuck and you really don't know, then you go out and find the missing information. But you you intentionally limit, you go on a low information diet if you want for a certain period of time just to make sure that you're focusing on implementation and action more so than than just acquiring more – because people can get confused, right? They think that just reading a fitness article gets you in shape. I don't know a single example of where that has ever happened. Right? <laughs> yeah. And there's so many people who I get, you know, hundreds of emails a day of people who ask me what I think about this or that fitness article. And I just want to ask them, well, why aren't you in the gym? <laughs> so go, go, go do this stuff. Test it, you know, test it for three months, pick something. This looks like a good plan. Don't look at anything else. Do it for three months. Three months is a serious amount of time to invest in something and, and be able to evaluate it. So you, you have the hunt, hunt planned. Then you hunt the hunt, and then you can evaluate the hunt and compare it to other things else. But but people typically don't do that. So you need to um, be nuanced about this. Some subjects, some areas, yes. Be be voracious. Keep learning as much as you can. Other ones, ask yourself, do I already have enough information, and am I just lacking implementation? And if so, it's time to to block the flood of information coming in and simply just start taking action on things. So one of one of the keys uh, that we've just seen as we talk with people, and even you know, just as we listen to you, um, one of the keys to learning is humility. With it, of just opening yourself up, and I imagine that's probably a principle that's true for generalism as well. I'm just curious into how um, is there anything that you've done to intentionally, you know, just satisfy your thirst. Is there anything that you've intentionally done to, uh, I guess, be more humble? And I know that's a difficult question. Well, well, no. Uh, I, I mean, let's let's be frank. I'm the most humble person I know. There's nobody <laughs> who's more humble than than me, guys. Let's just. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think the best you know thing that has humbled me over the years is just how many times I've been wrong and how many times I've changed my mind because I was presented with better arguments or new evidence. So I guess. You know, even if it wasn't intentional, it was forced upon me that I've just had egg on my face so many times that I, I've kind of assumed a position of humility for so so that so that way I don't become humiliated, if that makes sense. Um, which I, you know, I think is I think is it's a lesson that you wish you could learn um, without having to learn it the hard way. But it's a lesson that looking back, that because I learned it the hard way, because I was, you know, especially in, in a lot of my early years. Um, both studying philosophy or promoting fitness, you know, I, I was I was certainly um, overly confident in in positions that I would later come to reject or turn out to be false. So yes, maintaining a sense of of intellectual and personal humility is 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 a, is itself a skill. It's something that needs is needs to be practiced. I mean, we all you know get wrapped up in the ego. We all want to you know prove that we're right about any of the things that we we believe in. 
Um, and that's, you know, that's a that's a that's a tricky and sometimes dangerous mentality to to get in. And it's, it's something that has, um, you know, caused me some not insignificant grief over the years. So so, Pat, what are some maybe just some daily habits or rituals or, or whatever that that you do that help you exponentially and things that you might even encourage others to do? Yeah, yeah, well, um, um, I often, I often say, say that if you follow me, me around, around for like, like a, week, a week, you'd probably conclude that I'm the most boring person on earth because um, I think monotony is probably my most powerful and useful tool. So I, I tend to do the same things. Uh, I know this sounds odd as a generalist, but bear with me here. I tend to do the same things over and over. But it's the diversity and challenge within those things that keeps it very fresh and interesting. So, so for example, I, I wake up and I do uh, mobility and meditation and prayer every morning. That's just, that's just a consistent thing. And then I write for a large chunk of time every single day. And then I go to the gym and, and practice martial arts and lift weights and, and do all that kind of stuff. And then I will come home and I will have dedicated time for study and music. And then, you know, I have a hard cutoff too for time when it's just time to uh, spend time with my family and have dinner with my wife. And then I have, you know, time after the kids are in bed or whatever to kind of do monkey work, you know, the, the work that's important for the business and logistics, you know, that doesn't take an enormous amount of brain power, but it's just necessary to do. And then I'll do some more reading and studying, you know, later into the evening, and then I'll get to bed or try to get to bed at a reasonable hour. Now, there's a few things that I'm missing in there, but that's generally my day pretty much every single day. And I'm, I, I do my best to almost never deviate from that. Sometimes I will ex expand or contract um, certain uh, allocations of time that I put on to any one of those skills or disciplines. Sometimes I'll introduce other skills or disciplines in and pull some out uh, to uh, try and keep up on that. I might not have access to the same gym equipment as, as I normally do, but I always do some form of exercise and martial arts practice uh, wherever I am. I always bring you know whatever books I'm reading or learning material with me. And as often as I can when I travel, I try to bring my family with me as well. <laughs> right? So, so I so I keep up on on the on the time and, and relationships with them. Uh, so it's it's a little inconvenient, but I think that the, the way that it's set up is that it's it's not something that is is so inconvenient that I'm not able to maintain my routine or monotony. Now, of course, on special events when I am teaching or speaking, all that is 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 not going on. But in between that, you know, no matter where I am, I try to keep my routine pretty much the same. What are you what are you reading right now in your scheduled reading time that is uh, just really impacting you or blowing your mind? Yeah. So, um, some, I mean, not everything I read blows my mind. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I, I have a, I have a rule that, um, I will keep a book in my house if it's a book worth reading three times. Otherwise I will, I will throw it out, but I always try to finish a book before I evaluate it. Even if I just speed read it, the book I have in my hands right now is a book called ethical choices. It's a, it's a book on, on moral philosophy. So I'm finishing my master's right now in, in, in systematic philosophy. So I'm doing a, a lot of reading on, you know, and, um, my emphasis is, is morality and, uh, metaphysics. So, you know, I, I, a lot of reading on that. Um, I also have been revisiting, um, Steinbeck's letters. I really enjoy Steinbeck from a writing perspective. His style is is awesome. So I, I try to uh, absorb that. Uh, I've been spending uh, time with a couple of, of uh, music theory books as well. Um, 
uh, trying to do some some cool new stuff in music. So that's kind of the general view of the stuff that that I'm I'm diving into now. Um, so I wouldn't say any of these. I mean, Steinbeck was was definitely the most amazing to me when I first read him because his his style, especially his letters. Most people know him for for his books. Um, you know, of mice and men and things like that. But I really enjoy his letters because it's not only great life advice, but just he's just got such a wonderful, warm writing style as well that I always find great value in that. So that would be the one that I'm I have was first enjoyed the most and was most impressed by. The other ones are just okay, <laughs> but I'll well, I'll read them and you know maybe read them again also. But nothing that's blowing my mind right now. <laughs> what's if you can remember? What's the last book that you decided? I'm I'm going to keep this book in my house because I'm going to read it multiple times. Oh, yeah. Um, not too long ago, there's a there's a book for people who are into the to the bigger questions, the metaphysical questions, if you will. It's called On the Experience of God by David Bentley Hart. And little story short, I found out that he has the same literary agent as me. I, I never knew that. I just count somebody recommended that book to me and I read it and I was extremely impressed. It's a it's a great book of both philosophy and theology I've, I've read it many times since and uh so that it's terms of recent memory i would i would recommend that it was very good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well pat just as we're wrapping up we always have a few questions that we love to ask all of our guests and the first one is what's one thing that you've started doing recently that is helping you either personally or professionally right now Ooh, yeah, good, uh, good question. Um, one thing that I've started doing recently is just, and this is a small little tidbit, um, but it's something I kind of put off for a while, but started to implement that I think is is really useful from a networking perspective, is just reaching out to five people, either new people or people you haven't talked to in a while on Facebook Messenger, and just reengaging, restarting the conversation, and that's something where um, it it opens up a lot of uh, you know, there's always a lot of potential on the table in terms of networking, and that's a really great way to to reopen that, reopen that door. Sure. If you could have everybody learn one thing, and that one thing could be anything. It could be tactical. It could be whatever. I don't care what it is. It could even be, you know, my favorite one that I always give people is it. You could. It could be how to roast the perfect marshmallow. It Ooh, could be that. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah, like, Mm-hmm. Whatever that one thing is, what would you have everybody in the world learn? Yeah, logic. Yeah, logic. I would have them learn logic. Logic, logic is, 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 is really, really learning, learning how, how to, learn. to learn. It's, it's making, making the, the rules of reasoning reason. explicit, studying them like you would music theory. And the reason this is so important is because it's been so lost in society. People aren't taught logic anymore. They don't know how to think. They don't know how to you know, reason from a set of, of premises consistently to a conclusion. People are so emotional. They're so they're so taken off into very um, extreme or absurd viewpoints because they just were never taught how to think in a, in a, think well or think in an ordered way. So logic, and it's something I talk about in my book, is one of those force multipliers. Once you learn to think and think well, everything else will come into alignment. Everything else becomes easier. So I would start there. I would I would grab. I'll give another book recommendation, Socratic Logic by by Professor Peter Kreep. That's a great book. Just 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 pick that up and start to learn. And then our final question is, what are you learning right now? So I have, I just bought a looper station. Um, I've recorded a lot of music over the years, uh, and I like the idea of being a one-man band, but I've always done it part by part. You know, I'll record this track and then that track, and then I'll assemble tunes. But what I want to learn now is how to do it on the fly with with a looper and, you know, just my guitar and, and some voice and stuff like that. So that is my new undertaking. One of my favorite live shows is Ed Sheeran. With the way he does it, um, with 
that with with a looper like that. It's unbelievable. It's so it's cool, cool, isn't it? And, and it's something, something that, that I, I'm, I'm pretty bad, bad at right now. now. I mean, I mean some, some of it is just technical, just learning the, the, the equipment. So I have this Boss RC705, which is, which is really cool, but you know, it can do a lot. So you just have to spend some time just sitting down with it, um, learning the mechanics, setting it up. And then it's it's a hand looper, and I play guitar, which makes it a little bit complicated because most guitars use foot pedals and foot loopers. So I'm trying to... Figure, figure that, that part, part out, out uh, exactly. Uh, for some uh, of this, is, is also technical. technical. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Man. I, mean, I mean, people, people who do looping and do it well, it's so cool. So I'm, I'm deeply interested in that. And, you know, I want to see what I can do with it. People definitely want to pick up the book and continue to learn from you. There's a place for them to go to find out and to continue to see what you're turning and up to. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, the best place to check out the book is the website howtobebetterbook.com. And, you know, depending on when you hear this, um, chances are we'll probably still be, be doing a lot of the giveaways and incentives. So, you know, in typical book launch fashion, we have a lot of really cool stuff. That, that we are, we are offering, offering to anybody, to anybody who either orders or pre-orders, um, because what we wanted, wanted to do was give specific tactical plans to support the principles in the book. So we, we talk about how to get better at everything in the book, but then we have really cool bonus fitness plans or nutrition programs or ideas to build your email list or social media platform in these neat one-page cheat sheets. And we're, we're, we're giving those away to anybody who grabs a book or pre-orders, depending on when you hear this. Uh, so all of that is listed, uh, along with information uh, of the book, on the website howtobebetterbook.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the Learner's Corner today, Pat. Thank you, guys. This was a, this was a real treat for me. I appreciate it. Caleb. You ready? I'm ready. Here's a couple of things that I took What'd away you learn? from our conversation with Pat. I can't wait. One of them is is the idea of, and we talked a lot about this with the man that's in his book too, of being okay that if you're trying to become better in one skill, um, that that may mean that uh, that your skill level with another skill is going to go down a little bit. And being okay and really just being intentional about, okay, so what are the skills that I want to right. help remain sharp? Well, I got to invest the time in them as well. And so just being aware of that reality, yep. um, because I think that's something that, that honestly, I think I, I can deceive myself. And yep. while I was good at this one thing, you know, a year ago, two years ago, and just think I can instantly go back to it and be as good as it. And that's not always the case. Nope, it's not. I think the other thing is um, what he talked about, the rule of 80%, mm. is that once you get to, once you would say you're probably 80% in the, uh, uh, you know, once you're better than like 80% of the people who currently are doing it, or you reach 80% capacity, um, you, it's okay to stop. Right. Because you're probably not going to separate yourself. It's really hard to get um, to 100%. Well, it's going to take years and years and years. Yeah, and you can di differentiate yourself right. by having multiple things that you're 80% good at instead of being 93% good at right. this one thing. Yeah, that was a great that was a great point that he made. Um, that was really impactful um, to me just because I think that um, I'm, you, know, you and I are always trying to learn new things and, and get better at whatever it is that we do. And uh, it was super impactful to think about that. And I'm yawning now. Yeah. Um, we're recording this around lunchtime, and the, uh, Caleb hasn't let me eat food yet, so that's a struggle for me. 
but it it uh it was super impactful just because I think that we oftentimes think that we have to you know be the best and we look at the masters in the world of whatever it is that they do and we're like there's no way um well there actually is if you work hard enough but it's okay like you said to not have to be a hundred percent it's okay to be 80 because you're better than pretty much everybody else at whatever mm-hmm. that skill is. Because so, most people won't get, won't take the effort. Right. To they're not going to take that the effort to even get to 80%. So, yeah. No, super impactful. Um, Love to get to talk with him. He, he's super intense. I love just listening to him talk and, and the way that he views the world. And I loved his 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 um, ideas of reading and, and some of the things he talked about um, with that. And he, he loves – it sounds like he loves to read older things. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of that, books that are older. So if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to make sure that you don't miss this episode or our uh, next few episodes, because we're going to be releasing one later next week and next, or sorry, later this week. But next week, we're talking with JP Palu Fry. And oh my goodness, this is going to be a great episode. So JP, he's a psychologist and an international performance coach. And so we talk with him a lot, how to become, um, Honestly, just beca- how to become more of a high performer and emotional intelligence as well. And I know it's going to be an episode that you won't want to miss. And the best way to make sure you don't miss that episode is um, you're going to want to subscribe. Also, leave the us, podcast. Leave us a rating, write a review of the Do podcast that too. as well. It doesn't take much time, and we would greatly appreciate it as well. Just do it. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is not Caleb Mason. It's Todd Hicksonball. And until next time. Keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.